you have to pivot or reinvent yourself to stay relevant. This idea gets bandied about a lot these days, but there are going to be times in your life and in business where it has to happen. Lan Tran is a powerhouse in sales and marketing and is no stranger to this concept. She's seen the decline of the paper business directory with the advent of Google Ads, the challenges of returning to work after raising a family, and the devastating impact of crypto on a local metaverse game studio. We speak about approaching reinvention with humility, and Lan's observations about innovation and entrepreneurship in tech and Western Australia. For reference, this episode was recorded in January 2023, and we speak about Ninja Software going to administration, and the release of Western Australia's innovation strategy, both of which occurred in December 2022. I'm Michelle Ong, and this is Steam Powered. Welcome, Lan. Thank you so much for joining me today on Steam Powered. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you today about your journey from sales and marketing through to being a woman in tech. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me on. This is pretty special. Fantastic. So you've recently been in the metaverse space, and you'll definitely get into that. But you've had a pretty twisty road to come from you know, sales and marketing and meandering your way through to tech via all these other industries and sectors, which is very cool. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your journey and how it led to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So in terms of how I got to where I am, my journey would actually go far as far back as when I studied in university. And I remembered studying communication study because something that I've been quite passionate about is how people interact with each other and how that message is absorbed and the message is not. And so it's, it's an art form, it's a skill, and it's always been my passion. And I studied anthropology. So it's really is about understanding communication in a context of a culture. So then winding that forward, and then I got my double first class honour and I was debating on being academic or going out in the workforce. And then I just thought about the practicality of it. Being academic means I will be stuck in this, not necessarily humdrum, but there is a bit of a cycle you go through to get to the next stage and the next stage. And there were a bit of politics that I was sensing. Whereas I'm thinking in a workforce, you'll be paid based on your skill set. And however much you put in there, you can literally tick it off and then you get recognized for it. So it's not as hierarchical the way that I perceived it and so I got out into the workforce and that was an interesting one because with a communication study degree it's like you could do anything or nothing at all you know it's not like accounting where you become an accountant and engineer you become an engineer and so interesting enough I fell accidentally into sales so that accidental is because I didn't actually imagine that I would be a salesperson, but it's just something that I do really well at because it involves a lot of communications and also an understanding of how different levers work to make it happen. So I work for, I don't know if you would remember, but Yellow Pages when it used to be two very thick books. (laughs) Okay, so this is pre-Google days where Yellow Pages were literally the Bible for businesses. If you run a business and you didn't have Yellow Pages advertising, you can consider that business gone the following year. It's literally that. And so I worked Yellow Pages. So I've been with them for 15 years, by the way. And yeah, it's a long time. And what I loved about Yellow Pages is that Yellow Pages back then were known to run the best sales workforce in Australia. 
because the training is rigorous. And also to be in Yellow Pages, you have to be exceptionally talented at communication because you need to be able to reach out to a client and close the sale, do really well, not just closing the sale, but build rapport, trust, so that next year the client will actually increase the spending with you based on your recommendation. And so that has been a fantastic journey for me. And when you do well in Yellow Pages, you get rewarded accordingly. So, you know, I gone on so many incentive trips, company car paid for and all the little perks along the way. To give you a context of my biggest learning from Yellow Pages was that for me, it is amazing and I could not even see a world beyond the printed directory. And then, of course, you got online and I was quite sceptical because it's like... <laughs> You know, I cannot imagine online taking over this printed directory that we spend a whole year of our precious life creating. But then I actually see the evolution of how online took over. And you can tell because every year when I go to see my client and said, Lam, by the way, I have those Google ads. Well, you know, look at the return on investment I've got compared to the yellow pages. And so that when I started listening to the message. Now, by the time I listened to the message, yellow pages with already behind the eight ball. So the biggest lesson I learned back then was that when there's new technology in play, have a closer look at it and see where you would be. Don't just sit on your comfortable throne just because you are earning a lot of money and doing well doesn't mean that world is going to stay the same. And that was a very hard lesson for me to learn because I believe truly and utterly in the printed yellow pages. And when I missed that boat, I made a promise to myself that from now on, when it comes to the future and what it could mean, I'm going to have a very close look at it so I don't miss that boat again and that I remain relevant in what I provide to the market and client and opportunities. So that pattern is what I applied when I actually went and joined Ninja Software, the company I was with, and they were very cutting edge. The two founders, Alex and John, are incredibly and exceptionally talented. So to me, it's like that's ticked the box for me about being relevant. And then because they are very entrepreneurial, even though we provide software consultancy to different company, government agency around Western Australia and also across the Eastern State, what we are always about is 20% of what we do, we actually invest in creating our own project, incubate our own project. So the metaverse that we created was one of that incubation that occurred back in 2021, mid-2021. And then we realized that it could just be really big because John, our CTO, is very much what you call the OG in blockchain technology since 2011, 2012. So he understood how far it could go. So we just pivoted as a company and that's how I got myself into the metaverse. That's fascinating. Yeah, and mm. it's so true as well because... You're looking at where we are now in this burgeoning tech space and, you know, I think we're still at that super early stage where people are just exploring. I don't think it's quite at the stage yet where we can get stability yes. in any of these industries. Yeah. But everyone just pushing out feelers, giving things a go and just seeing what potential they could be. And that's pretty much happened at every stage of technological development. Like when we had Web 1.0, that was the exact same vibe that a lot of people had. It's like, what is this thing? Yeah. You know, it's like DARPA was using it and universities using it. What good is it to the rest of us? 
And it's just picking it apart and just saying, what can we do with this? Mm. And having that courage to take the risk of exploring is something that a lot of people are finding right now and fearing at the same time. And with yourself and your own journey coming from print yellow pages and going through all these different industries, it's what's fascinated me about your own journey, listening to your conversation with White Ark and the Chiefs. It's reinventing yourself a little bit each time because you're having to explore these new spaces and you're having to position yourself using your skill set into these new environments and these new domains. And I find that extremely admirable and courageous. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank thank you so much for that. I'm glad you actually listened to my interview with Jane Trufitelli on WICAC because that just give you a bit of a background on, you know, how well I did in Yellow Pages and how I was seen by the rest of my peers and also the management team. And definitely at the time when Yellow Pages was doing exceptionally well, we were just swimming in our success and you can't really see that world around the corner of what it means. And what people are going through now with the idea of Web3 is a level of healthy skepticism, I would say, because, you know, what you don't know, you can actually be skeptical and that's fine. But the thing is that those who actually are figuring it out, try to understand it, and it's a risk to them because they literally have to move from that comfort area they are creating for themselves. And it could go either way, as it has been with Ninja. And, you know, for us, we took that risk, we went all in, and it could have gone either way. Yes, our company went down with this whole crypto winter period and the Black Swan event. But at the same time, it's a great rebalancing. It's like a pension swing that swing too extreme. There was too much hype around what Web3 could be and how much money to be made. And it was too extreme. So the pendulum just kind of swung back the other way. But at some point, it's going to be balancing out. And so we still have learning from it. And it's something that we could still work on. And when I say we... It means that even though our company is gone, the people in it, myself, my CEO, my CTO and my team, we have actually built a learning so that we could actually go to market from the lesson that we absorb for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's a trial by fire situation, but (laughs) it's definitely one that you've had that experience and you've seen how it can grow, but you've also seen how it can take you down. (laughs) Yes. And and like what you said, Michelle, it's a really good, good observation. I would actually say reinvention is something that I acquired and I have learned and I have mastered because ultimately to move forward, you have to drop quite a bit of your old thinking or my old thinking and reinvent myself and be in a very uncomfortable zone to actually embrace what is possible. But you have to drop off some of those old ideas because your brain is like this room and if it's filled up, it has to be emptied a little so that you can actually let in the new ideas. Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking that... All of your skills, because sales and marketing, this is all extremely transferable. And when you have had to transition to a new domain and a new space, you said yourself that after the experience with Yellow Pages, you knew that you had to just take the leap, that you couldn't just hang back and be comfortable. But it's easier said than done for most. So <laughs> how, how do you break into these new spaces? How have you approached having to go into this entirely new domain 
yeah. and you know, having to almost start from scratch in those areas. I'm so glad you asked that question. So I would actually say with absolute humility and humility because when I was at Yellow Pages, there's a workforce of over 900 salespeople and I was often the top 2% of my organization. So I was treated like this incredible, very successful salesperson and it was up there to the point where those in the top 2% will have their photo in every single offices around Australia. So wherever I go, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's you see fun. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone in Yellow Pages seemed to know of me. Imagine that level of accolade and then reinventing myself and starting all over again in different industry where you're just a salesperson from what used to be a print directory that is no yeah, longer defunct. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's completely right. So you just have to accept that and just go, well, that's fine because can, I can always prove it and I can actually always build myself back up. Now, what is interesting in my career, because when you look at my LinkedIn profile, you think, oh, she took a few years off. What's that about? So I actually have a baby. So back in 2008, I decided, okay, it's time. And I just gave birth to a son. And basically for me, when you actually choose to have children, and this is only my own view, there should be someone guiding that child for the first seven years of their life. You know, the old Jesuit saying, I'll show you the man if you show me the child before the age of seven. But that's an old Jesuit saying. And I truly believe in that is that if you choose to have a child, which is I'm talking about myself, then I make a choice to be there and guide that child and give it the foundation my child would need to be the best person he could be in his own life. So I did take time out and with that time out from Yellow Pages, I traveled as well. So I lived and traveled overseas, went and lived in Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong and had different experiences. But then when I came back to Perth again and settled back in Perth, Yellow Pages, I would never go back to, not because it was a bad company, but because I saw that it was no longer relevant to what society is wanting or needing. If it's not working, then I have to be more relevant. So then I started looking at different industry, but because I took time out, as you probably may be speaking to a few mothers on your show, you'll find that women do suffer from being seen as irrelevant because they've taken time out and it doesn't count that you've actually chosen to look after a child and that you're raising a child. You're just seen as someone who dropped out the workforce and therefore you can't go back to the workforce on your level because you are as good as the last year you were working and if it's been over seven years ago or however many years, you're irrelevant. And so that's what I unfortunately found when I got back to Perth and basically had no network because, you know, I had been working in Sydney as well. So then I thought, okay, what industry could I go in? And so I actually worked at a 3D audiovisual company and it's one of the best audiovisual company that's in Perth. They're a small business, but they truly believe in creating incredible audiovisual solutions for businesses. And I admire that. I admire anyone who put their best foot forward and actually just do the best and give the best they've got to provide a solution. And I absolutely love it. But the thing is, I just knew in the back of my mind that it's still not quite my calling. And so when I actually come across Alex through a networking event and, you know, Ninja Software back in 2019, they were suffering from their own success. They have so much word of mouth businesses that they keep on getting more work. So they bring on more people. But then, of course, you keep on having to get more work in 
to keep those people employed and paid. It's obviously a massive challenge for them. And so it's almost like, you know, serendipity and synchronicity that we actually come across each other in a networking event. And that was his challenge. And I was actually thinking, it's time for me to leave 3D audio visual. So in my mind, I thought I need to actually just take that leap and start looking at what I can do next that is more relevant. And then, of course, within a week of me resigning from 3D Audio Visual, Alex just reached out because he's met me before. He's seen the way I operated and he said, look, really want to bring you on board. Can't really afford you, but tell us your <laughs> rate <laughs> and then we can work with it. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's the kind of, I think what it is, Michelle, is that you make your own luck and that, if you are providing a service and you are relevant, organization that didn't know they need you, once they actually see a bit of you, they go, that's what we're missing. We don't know we were missing that, but we see that now and it's clear day, that's what we're missing. And we don't know if we can afford her, but we'll just put it out there. And that's the courage that Alec, as a CEO of Ninja Software has, is that he recognized there is a gap and he recognized there's someone, but he just hasn't seen it. And so when he saw me in that environment, it's exactly that. So that's how we kind of like got together is from a place of mutual respect, because I saw what Ninja had created and also John, the CTO. It's just that chemistry, you know, the way people fall in love. It doesn't have to happen with couple, but the way people fall in love you with... You just build that rapport and that connection. Yes, yes. And so that's, that's really how I got into Ninja. And from there, it's just this perfect harmony of how we work with each other, knowing each other's strength and respecting that as well. That's amazing. So we'll rewind a bit. Because once you actually joined Ninja, you said that Syndicate was one of the things that they were incubating as an idea, whereas they were trying stuff out. So what attracted you to that vision of that specific incubated project? Because Metaverse is just nebulous and a little bit different to the SaaS kind of business model that they have? Um, yeah, no, that's another very perceptive question. So when I joined Ninja, that was back in 2019. And I could actually see the way that Alex and John think is that they're always looking at what's happening out in society. And they always look at how they can create our own project, just like the Atlassian model. You create your own product and you can scale up massively because they're very entrepreneurial. So it wasn't just the Ninja Syndicate that they were. At the time when I joined, it wasn't even in the picture. They were incubating a project that was going to compete with Uber, which is to be a fairer model for drivers to make a living globally. When there was COVID, they were actually working on a solution called Flubar, which is this device that could actually read temperature, thermal sensing, and also you can use it for security of the building. So they were creating different solutions based on what they could see around the corner as a need. So that excites me because it literally speaks to what I've learned in my time at Yellow Pages is don't be comfortable with where you are and the business you've got. Always have an eye and an ear out in the marketplace and that's what they had. Now, when Ninja Syndicate, so Supremacy, that metaverse game that we created, when they came up with that idea, it is from a vision back in April 2021 where Alex and John was absolutely frustrated with the hype around NFT. People were paying millions and millions of dollars for eight picture, rock picture, pussycat, the whole lot. 
And I said, this is a scam, right? And they said, we have to actually reverse that mentality and create an NFT that got real utility. So when people buy it, it has value and function and it can actually move around with utility. So how do you create that? Well, if you create a game, and then that NFT is an asset to be playable in the game, then that's your utility right there. So that started from that. And just just the way they think is so clever that when they actually start talking to me and exciting me with the vision of where it could be, I was just absolutely profound because that is so new to me. I didn't come from this metaverse space. I didn't understand it, but I could understand the vision and I could understand where it could take us. So when we actually sold our utility tokens, we did a sale, a 24-hour sale, and we sold the tokens to the crypto community. Within 24 hours, we actually sold over 2.5 million USD worth of utility tokens, which in Perth, it is really hard to actually raise funds get angel funding, anything at all. It's very hard. And you might be lucky you get 50000 after you pitch and pitch and pitch six or seven times in the course of eight months. So you can imagine how hard it is. Unless you're pitching a product that is actually servicing the mining industry, you have no problem getting money. But anything else like metaverse game, anything at all, impossible. But what we were able to prove is that you could sell if you create a very good product, like a metaverse game, and you sell the utility token, is a great way to actually build up from that project. So when we actually sold over 2.5 million USD worth of utility tokens, we thought, this is it. No looking back. Let's actually pivot into a game studio because this is the product that we're waiting for to make it happen. And it was the most exhilarating period of our ninja life because we've been building and working, you know, tirelessly to create this robust referral system where clients, word of mouth clients are coming to us, our existing clients are increasing their spend with us. And then we literally pretty much close that particular side and just service our legacy clients. So clients who've been with us for a long time, we don't just like throw them off, but we look after them still. But we start saying no to other referrals and new. It was a very strange experience because for me as a salesperson, you don't say no to new opportunity. No, no, no. no. (laughs) So it's absolutely weird. But our team, who are mainly devs, absolutely love it because it's about you're not being dropped into different projects. You're not doing what they may consider boring because sometimes the SaaS product can be boring, whereas this game space is so infinitely exciting. And also, most of the dev in Ninja are gamers. So for them to actually be paid to create actual features inside a game is exciting. It was um, In saying that, I just want to let you know, it was very scary for me. When we pivoted from a software consultancy, which is about sales and marketing that I know so well, and I build this network into a game studio that is servicing the global market, my role also pivoted and I actually have to reach out to other people in the crypto space to try to bring advisors on board, work with gaming guilds and work with other people in the crypto space that I, at the time, didn't have a lot of knowledge on apart from John giving me advice. But I just picked up and learned (laughs) along the way. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That must have been very intimidating. (laughs) It was, actually. I think it was one of those things that on a level of comfort, I was very, very uncomfortable. But I get the principle of relevance. I get the principle that it's Web3 world. It's the world that we're moving into. It's scary today, but it is nowhere as scary as if five years from now, the people had moved into that world and irrelevance is creeping in again for me. So for me, it's about going ahead with it. And also for me, it's also understanding that it is an obligation for me to share that message with school age students, people that is yet to enter the workforce, because my gut instinct tell me that they kind of get it, but that they just can't quite pinpoint where they could fit into the scheme of things. And my obligation is to say, well, where you could possibly fit in is think of this. There's a game studio, Metaverse game studio. There is employment opportunity in this space because as we move forward to Web3, we're going to need people that is not just software developers, not just artists, but story writers, fashion designers, architects. You know, So it's, I get excited by that because I'm sharing a very optimistic but positive message that the world is your oysters, but you have to open your eyes and look at it and say yes or no to what could be for you at the end of the day. And it's something that's so exciting, especially because realistically, we are a very isolated part of the world. And in terms of the business opportunities and the work opportunities that are available here, you you do tend to expect that if you're in tech or in big tech or in games, you have to move away. And the idea of Ninja and other businesses trying to cultivate this space here and giving other people opportunities here without having to move across the world. It's its enticing, it's exciting, and it gives people so many more ideas for what they can do with their skill set. Oh, you, you've just nailed it. You just nailed it. Because one of the problems that Perth, Western Australia always face, and it's got to be ongoing until the metaverse become a reality, I believe, is the brain drain. It's like if you don't have those opportunity for all the brains that and all the amazing skills that are out there, they will have to move. And what we've actually created was that here, you don't have to move and you can actually work in this space because we're going to close that gap to the metaverse space. So in terms of saying brain drain, now that our company is disbanded, some of us will need to actually consider moving to the eastern state or moving overseas because the opportunity is not here for the skill set that we have. So it's unfortunate. It is really unfortunate. And the timing as well, so terrible because just before Christmas as well, Western Australia released that innovation strategy plan for the next 10 years. And it's meant to incorporate (laughs) technology and development and entrepreneurism. It's like, so close, (laughs) so close, so far. I think you're right. The timing is a bit of a twist of irony. But I guess it's, you know, it's the curveball, right? At some point you just go, well, that's the curveball. And wow, that just hit me right straight in the guts. <laughs> yeah. So given your experience in tech in general, as well as locally, what sort of observations have you made about innovation entrepreneurship in this area that you could share? 
So what I observe sitting from Ninja, I have the benefit of working with cutting edge technology and with a team that is on a world stage is incredibly smart and capable. And that's not just my view because we have actually spent a significant part of last year traveling around the world and just the kind of feedback people have about our game, how well we've launched it, how impeccable it is and the standard of it, the feedback is actually from our technology peers across the world. So what I have observed about the innovation in Western Australia is that there are pockets of true innovation and there are unsung heroes. And when I say unsung heroes, there are quite a few people who haven't heard of Ninja until that story in the West Australian about us crashing like a comet that crashed to the earth. And they were just blown away. Like, oh my God, you've created this and this and this and we haven't heard of you. And the problem with innovation in Western Australia is that it's a massive challenge because I can see government is trying to do something about it by injecting fun here and there. The only problem is it's still about who you know. So unless you have someone who is a drummer like me in the organization that beat the drum, said, listen to us, look at us, look at us. No one hear about it. No one hear about innovation until someone beats the drum. It's just the same when I was working at 3D Audio Visual. A lot of people didn't realize that 3D Audio Visual was the only Australian business in the world in 2018 that won a massive award for the 3D Audio Visual solution they created in UWA. The only Australian business to have won that global award. I just get blown away. You know, like people didn't realize that we have that level of innovator, that passion. So I think it's really important. There is someone, you know, that can beat the drum. And I actually think, Michelle, that what you're doing is actually helping unearth that because who's going to hear it unless someone like you promote it? Yeah, and yeah, thank you for saying that. But it is one of the reasons why I started this because the people I knew who are working in all these fields are doing amazing things. And nobody knows about them or mm -hmm. what they do and knows that these things exist and that we are working in these areas of technology and science. And I went, that's a real shame because yes. only their colleagues are aware of it. And it's the kind of thing where these are the kinds of developments that we're having that are eventually going to impact society on a greater scale. Yes. And people just aren't hearing about it. And if they don't hear about it, how can you make it happen and make it happen faster? And yeah, that was just one of the things that made me think, well, yeah, something has to happen about this. <laughs> Actually, I'm in admiration that you've taken the time out, analyze what's going on, interview them, because I actually feel that that's how voices are heard in the end, because sometimes there is a lot of echo. And how do you actually really go down that funnel and extricate that real innovation and crystallize it and actually raise it up to a standard? And I, I think it's really important that you continue what you do and there are some programs that are doing it, but you can never underestimate the value of what you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think back to another thing that you mentioned on The Chiefs, where you were saying that you really do have to sit on top of the food chain for others to listen. Otherwise, it's like yelling into the void. <laughs> and yes. yeah, it's, it's so relevant because, you know, in terms of representation and access and accessibility to making STEM more available to everybody, not just to the people who are studying it or working in it. It's one of those things where we do need to raise all those voices in order to make sure that we can actually get heard. But it's getting to 
the top of the food chain that's the hard part. <laughs> I'm glad you pick up on that message that I put out there because people might see me as positive and idealistic, but at the same time, it is actually rooted in reality. You know, you can sing a song, you can actually do so many things, but they don't take you seriously until you actually get on top of the food chain. And then suddenly you just say one sentence and someone actually act on it. And I think that's really important. So can't emphasize that enough. And I'm just wondering, because a few of the other guests, especially the ones who've come from overseas to find work in Australia, they mention often tall poppy syndrome. I had no idea that was a thing until I moved here. And <laughs> why does it exist? Mm-hmm. And you know, I have to wonder if, because some of these things that are happening, we don't hear about them. Is it because they're afraid of tall poppy? Is it something that is concerning them that stops people from wanting to kind of say, oh, look, I'm here. I'm doing this thing. It's really amazing. Because they, you know, tall poppy. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually an interesting imagery of the tall poppy syndrome. There's one thing that I, I strongly believe in is that you make your own opportunities and that you will be swiped sideways potentially for creating such sensation because you you're just out there and you keep on creating. But at the same time, you need to still keep on moving because when I was working back in my Yellow Pages day, I definitely worked very hard for my success. But the way I did it, people thought I actually achieved it quite easily. They didn't know the amount of hours I worked. You know what I mean? It's like everything, you know, work-life balance, what's that? And they just thought, wow, she just seemed to keep on going on these trip and keep on doing so well. What is that? But I, I realized that I may not make enough time to be and hang out with people and people go, oh, it should be snobbish. They create a little bit of story about you. And all I can say is that it is what it is. If you have a skill and you have a talent, so what if you're a tall poppy, you know? And yes, you get cut down the knee at some point because that to some degree does happen. And even when you look at our company and what happened going to administration before Christmas. I woke up one morning and I realized that we were like, um, I forgot the story of the guy that was imprisoned in a cave with his father. And then they actually made these wings to fly. Oh, Icarus. Icarus. Yes, Icarus. Thank you. It's Icarus. And I feel that we're almost like that is that we built these wings to fly into the metaverse and we did potentially flown a bit too high. How would you know how high you've flown unless you just push it? So we did push it, you know, and it's like, okay, lesson learned and that's it. (laughs) So tall poppy, the same thing. Just grow as high as you can. Someone might try to chop you in the knee and sometimes you might just get past all that. Exactly. So in my head, like going to administration, it's such an absolute shame because you've built up this intellectual property. You've built up this framework and infrastructure. Is it something that you can rebuild? Ultimately, I believe the capability of the person is always within them and that whatever you create, whatever you put out there, you can rebuild. However, it's whether you have the ability to actually get back up again and give it another go. So for us, definitely we're all capable. As a team, we were incredible. And yes, we can do it, but you do need a bit of time just to get back to the level where we would be able to consider that option because end of the day, we put everything in there, our heart, our soul, and basically we just got really, really badly wiped. So yes, it's possible, but it's just a matter of time. Time, reflection, regroup. Yes. Make it more sustainable next time. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and also timing as well, because Web3 is still, is still shaky and there's still a few cowboys. So, you know, there's good and there's bad. So then next time, the pendulum would have been a bit more centered. And yes, that may be in a better place to be. Yeah, just have to wait for things to shake out a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I would like to also say something that you've mentioned that is such a shame that what we built, what we created, the infrastructure, the team, and it just, you know, disbanded. That part, yes, is absolutely painful. But I think the greatest shame is actually the industry that could have been because we have the metaverse industry that no one else has really tried to do from Western Australia build all these talent that we've got in and have outreach program to university and schools where we're actually bringing in kids who are passionate about what's in it for me for the metaverse what can I do so we have that whole network of kids and interns that we were bringing into Ninja and that opportunity it could have spawned into different little metaverses because they would have come in, they would have picked up something and they would have gone out to the workforce elsewhere and run it and share it with other people. So that to me was a massive shame because that could have been a game changer in terms of Western Australia being a powerhouse and a place that is actually saying we've created the metaverse and look at what Perth is doing. So that part is the part I really want to reiterate. Yeah, it, yeah, that is absolutely one of the biggest losses. Like the potential is that loss. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're doing so well in space and in engineering and all the mining resources, but all of these skills are also transferable into all these other different areas that we can definitely cultivate. <sighs> we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we could probably start to wind up into some of those other questions that I always love to ask of my guests. So which childhood book holds the strongest memories for you? Yes, that's a good one. Tintin. Um, You know, the Tintin comics, Asterix and Opelix. So when you say which, I would have to say both. What I love about Tintin, so now that belies, you know, it's actually talking about the generation I belong to, Tintin. But it talks about this Tintin traveling to different parts of the world And the stereotypes of what happened in Egypt, what Egypt's about in China, what China's about. And that I think is interesting because it picks up a perception of how different parts of the world is seen from a Westerner, a French perspective. So that is a really good book that I love. The one that I love about Asterix and Opelix is, again, about a very olden time where, you know, these Gauls are living their best life with one common fear they have. It's the sky falling on top of them. And it's funny, right? But I'm thinking, you can laugh at that joke, but you look at some people around you and they do have that one fear that to you is kind of funny. Irrational. But to them, it's <laughs> irrational. Thank you, irrational. Because it's like unlikely to happen, but it's a real fear. And I think it's actually a great analogy for the fear we have of our safety net that we're in career-wise it's like you don't want to leave it because you know it's equivalent to a sky falling on top of you but it's irrational because it hasn't happened to Astrid and Opelix so how can it happen to us so those are yeah my two absolute favorite series and that really must have spoken to your inner anthropologist I didn't put a connection, but you're right. (laughs) It started my journey. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And lastly, what advice would you give to someone who wants to 
or because you've done a lot of things, what advice would give someone who wants to kind of go the direction you have or get into the work that you're in and what advice should they ignore? The one biggest advice that I would give anyone who's looking at the metaverse or technology is keep an open mind. There is no be or an end or moment, especially technology. It's forever evolving. I actually seen that in Western Australia with some technology businesses as well. They think they've actually hit the hype technology and they stop and that's dangerous. So that would be the advice I give them. And also it's really important, whatever you do career-wise and in life is to seek a mentor because a mentor will help keep your eyes open to ideas and opportunity and also in turn be a mentor to someone. I don't even think it should be a choice. I think it should be an obligation that there's so much wealth of knowledge that each of us hold in ourselves from what we do that it is an obligation to share it with someone else. You can save someone a lot of time because you give them the advice. They may say yes and no to your advice but at least they've been given the option to reflect on it. So that would be my advice. The one I say ignore, I think it's really hard because every person has a different way that make them tick. So it's really hard to say which advice to ignore. Sorry, I can't give you an answer today. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's not a problem. It's such a personal sort of thing. And as you said, people don't have to receive it or use it, but making sure that they have information. And they can kind of use that to inform their own choices. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Lan, for speaking with me today. It has been such an amazing conversation, learning about your journey and your path and finding and reinventing yourself. So, yeah, it's just been absolutely wonderful. Look, thank you so much, Michelle. I feel very privileged that we're still here today to talk about that journey because definitely it's an interesting STEAM journey of the metaverse and now what happened next. So I would just say watch this space because I'm talking to quite a few exciting organisations and who knows, I might come back and start spreading the love. (laughs) Absolutely, that would be wonderful. (laughs) Yes. So if people would love to know more about you and what you do, where can they go? Oh, they can just look out for me on LinkedIn. So I'm most active on LinkedIn with my messages. Also, I'm starting Twitter, but obviously LinkedIn is where I'm a bit more active with what I've learned and my messaging. And um, just reach out to me. I'm a pretty friendly person and I will respond to some capacity. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Lance. It's been absolutely wonderful. And yeah, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much, Michelle, and you have a lovely day. If you enjoyed this conversation, please let me know. Subscribe to the show, leave us a rating, and share this with your geeky or geek curious friends. You can also support Steam Powered on Patreon and the Steam Powered Show, the link for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.